With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, guys, welcome back to Establish the Past podcast, sent by Clutch Points. And uh, I am your host, Boy Bubble. With me, as always, my co host, Bill Franken. We're back here to discuss our uh, picks from. The week five in the NFL, and Dylan, we are back here officially uh, on the podcast. A little short hiatus, but uh, as if people thought we were going to stop watching football during this uh, mini hiatus where we had to, uh, you know, figure out some technical issues and such. Um, nonetheless, we, you know, have been watching, and there's been a lot going on, and we made our picks actually on Clutch Points, so we didn't do it on the podcast, but. We're not going to stop our picks, and uh, so we had to make sure we put them up somewhere, so we did put a link up on Clutch Points last week with all of our picks on it, and we're going to go through them now as we discuss the games um, and kind of you know give you an idea of where we were at on some of these uh, if you did not see them on the website, which, as we said, usually you get them here on the podcast, but uh, it was quite a week of action, and uh, let's just jump right in, Dylan, with our, our game of the week. Both of us picked the Bills and the Chiefs, and well... If you talk about the game that uh, lasted the longest, that was this one, uh, from a time standpoint, uh, because of the uh, weather delay in Kansas City. But uh, if you talk about who picked this one correct and who did not pick this one correct, well, that would be you picking it correctly as you went with the Bills as your upset of the week as well as your game of the week. And uh, the Bills, who were three-point underdogs, got it done. I leaned on my Super Bowl pick, which, uh, quite frankly, right now, not looking like a Super Bowl team are the Chiefs. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing about Kansas City, I think their offense will bounce back, but their defense is up there with some of the worst defenses in the DVOA era. I think uh, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders said so far, it's only five weeks in and defense isn't as predictive as offense, but they have the seventh worst uh, defense since they started keeping DVOA and since they've uh, backdated it. So, yeah, it's a brutal, brutal unit. All the times Tyron Matthews looking back at Daniel Sorensen with his hands on his helmet tells part of the story but because there'll be i mean there's just so many holes and the, the bills a team that's uh, have been running the ball better this year compared to last year they could have run even more second half got a little sloppy and the bills weren't perfect at certain times but they still cruised to a win i think the thing that, that the reason i picked buffalo going into this game is i just felt like the offenses were uh, maybe fairly even even if kansas City's, you'd still take most of the time uh, but i just really felt the bills defense they've been the top defense in dvoa early season with uh just just completely like outplaying every other defense. The, the defense is right behind them, like New Orleans. They were way above. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a tougher opponent, but it's still the same group. That's And DVOA, again, is always taking into account the opponents. It takes into account how bad they are or how good they are. So I think, if, if anything, they're probably going to improve this week. Uh, not that the Chiefs weren't sloppy at certain points. Just certain things weren't connecting. Uh, but the Bills' defense is for real. I think they're going to pose as big a threat as as Kansas City is going to face on that side of the ball all year, and they're going to potentially have to play again in the postseason. Uh, I'm still, for the for the long term, uh, don't feel too bad about your Super Bowl pick with the Chiefs. I, I do think the defense can bounce back. It's not like they don't have a lot of the same guys that have been in this system. Chris Jones was out last night. 
there, uh, you know, maybe it is a lack of depth. And we'll see if they are able to shift things around, if they're able to make any moves before. Uh, we have a little less than a month, I believe, before the trade deadline. So some time for Kansas City to figure that side of the ball out. I think on offense, they should be okay uh, as they get used to facing these kind of softer coverages, coverages, the same kind of things the Bills have done against other opponents that uh, it was the opposite of what they did in the AFC title game last year. They blitzed a crap ton last season. They didn't blitz at all last night. Um, and it worked pretty well. They were able to generate some more pressure with some of the guys like Gregory Russo and some of the new guys they have on that team. They also defend RPOs really well, which is something we know Kansas City likes to use a lot. So it's just a team that came in determined uh, at this point playing better football. That's why I picked Buffalo. But uh, I think if they do play again in the postseason, it's going to be a lot closer just because I don't think Kansas City's defense can be that bad forever, can it? I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, one thing I do know is if you're a Josh Allen fantasy owner, you've had a good season like myself. Um my goodness, he is uh, he's something. And uh, I think against good defenses, he is someone that uh, is going to be hard to stop. But uh, the Bills look Super Bowl ready right now. So you're on to something there, I think. Uh, one of your other Super Bowl picks, I'm not so sure about. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, but uh, my other Super Bowl pick, I feel pretty good about. But uh, yes, yeah, so we, we've got one that's uh, still be determined. But I think the others are in very interesting spots right now. All right, our betting locks. You took the Ravens to beat the Colts. Ravens are a touchdown favorite against the Colts. Obviously, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, we don't know if that's going to be the case. We just assume, because Dylan is always correct, that uh, the Ravens will cover that touchdown spread. So if uh, you know if you want to just keep that on your record, you can. Mine, uh, I thought was going to be a pretty much a foregone conclusion, but did not turn out to be the case, really, uh, for most of the game until the end, which uh, was the Cardinals who were five-point favorites against the Niners, uh, but uh, the Cardinals did wind up covering. They went by seven. Certainly not the offensive performance from the Cardinals we've seen all season long, but mm -hmm. guess what? They're 5-0, and oh, and, uh, you know, they look like one of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, a team that has balance and has an ability to win the offense isn't clicking. As we've seen even earlier in the season, they still found different ways to win. Still a defense that uh, will likely, again, be at least in the top 10 in DVOA, if not higher than their sixth ranked after the first four weeks with what they were able to do against the San Francisco team that, uh, you know, at two and three, I still feel like they're going to be in the conversation down the end of the stretch. Uh, we'll see what happens with Trey Lance. Just not, you know, some great plays and then other plays where it just – Looked a little too excited. He's really throwing. I mean, he's got an arm, but he needs to just rein it in a bit um, with some of those passes that he had. And obviously some tough reads, too. Uh, uh, some issues with their offensive line at certain points that wasn't expecting. They still ran the ball, not just with Trey, uh, Trey but with the rest of the guys and Elijah Mitchell fairly well in this one. But a lot of drives that just, you know, they did not have a – they are really struggling to convert. When they, they get down the field, a lot of drives that ended in – Arizona territory with no points and you can't have that happen against a team that even with only putting up 17 uh, you still feel like the Cardinals at a certain point are going to break through and we saw with that last touchdown drive how quickly they can uh, I mean I think the biggest takeaway from this game as a fantasy uh, Rondale Moore owner in one of my leagues I might be playing him a bit more just keep him on the field more than 30 to 40 percent of the time Cliff please because this guy's out of control he made that one catch that was just absurd along the sideline and Overall, they still have so many weapons. Still think Arizona, you know, they obviously we, they're 5-0, and undefeated. They could have easily lost to Minnesota, 35-yard field goal miss away from being 4-1. I still I think that's, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'd put them if they, if 
a rematch with the Rams. We'll obviously get to see that. Obviously, Tampa Bay right now with what we just offered them today. I know we'll talk about them in a second, but I still think Arizona's right there because of the defense, because their offense is so explosive. But even when it's not going to be clicking, this defense is, uh, even if it doesn't stay as a top five kind of unit all year, I, I still think it has a top 10 uh, ceiling. And uh, there's no reason that with that combination, they won't be one of the more balanced teams and a team that. I'm definitely wishing I, you know, I feel good about a couple of my uh, wild card picks and different picks I've had for the playoffs and the Bills out as my AFC Super Bowl team. But um, uh, really regretting not putting Arizona into that playoff field because right now I, they have a tough game next week against Cleveland. But overall, their schedule is not exactly for a team. For, for, you know, obviously they have all the division matchups in the NFC West, but uh, still get those AFC South games coming up. And overall, just not exactly the toughest schedule. I think Arizona especially with the extra playoff team, even if they don't find a way to win the West, I still think at this point, it's hard to not imagine them getting up to at least 10, 11 wins and being a playoff team. Yeah, that's, um, we said it going in. I mean, we knew what the, the West was going to be and it's pretty good teams in there, uh, at this point. Uh, all right, let's get to, uh, our, our upsets of the week. Um, I'm happy to, you know, continue the, the betting lock wins, uh, you know, more, more than not this season, but, the upset did not pay off this week as uh, I went with Washington to an half point underdogs against the Saints. Of course, the Saints get the job, thirty job done, thirty three twenty two. Uh, some big plays really helped. Washington defense yeah. we've talked about has just not been very good. Um, that has certainly been a problem for them. And then uh, you got your upset of the week, which you mentioned was uh, the Bills over the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, Washington struggling on defense. But uh, I guess give the the Saints credit; they bounced back after that loss to the Giants. Yeah, the Saints are an interesting team. Every I don't know each week how what to expect. They come out uh, and you know look good for large portions of that Giants loss that obviously we didn't talk about last week. But uh, even though they lost that game, I thought that was more about some of the things that the Giants' offense was doing, and if they can just stay healthy. And we'll talk about that. The Saints again. I, I just week to week, I don't know what to expect with this team. That luckily for them, they are facing all these uh, NFC East opponents, so they get a Washington team that yeah, I picked the Saints to win this one. I just felt like. Uh, I just don't trust Washington's defense more than anything, even with some of the up, up and down performances. The Saints, again, were just second in DVOA on defense behind only Buffalo, even if Buffalo's playing at such a high level. So I still felt like they just were the better team. That's why I picked them here. I didn't have, yeah, you know, we've seen some crazy games from Taylor Heineke. We've seen some different things with Washington. I just felt like a, in this case, it was not going to be their day. And sure enough, they didn't exactly run the ball insanely well. 20 carries for uh, Antonio Gibson for 60 yards. Uh, he gets a couple of touchdowns, so for fantasy owners, you're happy. But in terms of the actual production uh, on the ground, maybe not where you'd like it. They weren't able to throw the ball insanely well. Some big plays for Humphreys, but otherwise not exactly um, a field day. Uh, and on the other side, it's just about Washington's defense. It's That's one of the bigger disappointments this season. Uh, I, I thought they'd regress. Um from last year i didn't think they were going to stay a top two or three defense necessarily but i did not think they'd be ranking below uh, you know down towards the bottom of the league with the likes of the falcons lions jags chiefs so yeah man it's uh some things to work out there they're a fun team a team that i i, I still enjoy and that's obviously with heineke i'm excited to see whenever fitzpatrick comes back what they can do on offense not heineke's best day obviously either uh but uh yeah the saints uh, at least you, you still make enough big plays, like you said, on offense. Still waiting for some of those um, uh, some of those big plays from the passing game. Obviously, Callaway gets the the hail mary, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what. Hopefully, Taysom Hill's not in big trouble with that uh, injury. looked looked pretty brutal though on the on the field when he went down. 
Yeah, not ideal there. Uh, we know what kind of role he plays in the offense uh, for the Saints. But, yeah, Washington, I, I don't remember. Did I pick Washington to make the playoffs? I'm not sure if I did or not. But Don't think so. Okay. I think we just both picked the Cowboys to win the division and didn't. Well, uh, We stayed away from other East uh, teams after that in the NFC. Well, as we know, I, I like to have revisionist history as we go along throughout the season. I, I like to throw in some teams that I didn't pick and just say that I picked them to make the playoffs. Um, but <laughs> – yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't remember on Washington, but uh, all right, let's get to uh, the quick picks, uh, the ones we made for uh, some of these other games. Um, obviously, we could start with um, the Falcons and the Jets. Probably not a game that. Actually, let's go back to the Rams and the Seahawks first, which we can, you know, normally we don't spend a lot of time on the Thursday night games, but come on, this is Dylan's podcast, and we got to give him some time to talk about the Rams. I picked the Seahawks here in upset. Uh, but that was before I think that we knew that who was it Carson wasn't going to play, and um, <laughs> obviously the Russell Wilson thing couldn't have predicted that. Uh, but you know, just one of those things where Thursday night game, big game. I decided to take the Seahawks. Didn't work out. Rams get the win, and obviously the big story coming out of this is not that the Rams get the win. It's that Russell Wilson out for quite a while, seemingly. And uh, yeah. now the Seahawks are entering the Geno Smith era, which he didn't look that bad against the Rams. But oh, he looked great. <laughs> there, there is a difference between you know um, a small amount of time played in one game versus you know a potential six week uh, stint here as the the new quarterback for the Seahawks. I mean, maybe if they just run hurry up constantly, he'll have a shot. The Rams <laughs> got a little tired on some of those drives. Uh, pretty some of the more disappointing drives from them because all game even before. Russell Wilson's injury, the defense had played really well. The Seahawks had only scored seven points when he went out of the game. They should have had 10. They missed a field goal at the half. But uh, overall, I thought the Rams defense was doing a good job against Russ and probably still would have believed they would have been fine for the rest of the game. The offense in the first half, so many mistakes. I mean, the Stafford pick was awful in the corner of the end zone. They're as far as he had. And then you see he had his finger get banged up, not nearly to the extent, obviously, of of Russell. And then in the second half, everything started clicking. They made some adjustments and they started uh, Ted and Wynn of the athletic basically noted that they ran the same kind of deep crosser um, kind of concept that they have successfully ran against Seattle for years. And it worked again. And they used it many times running the same passing play. So you, you hear sometimes about teams running the same running play when it can't be stopped. The Rams running the same passing play over and over again in Seattle's secondary, just not being able to stop it. This coming after, of course, that huge uh, breakdown on the um, on the long pass to Deshaun Jackson, where Jamal Adams just failed to track the ball. Uh, before that, Seattle's defense had played pretty well, even with the misfires from the Rams. But after that, it you, you saw why the Achilles heel of the Seahawks team that we've kind of talked about on this podcast maybe would be getting more attention if the Chiefs weren't so uh, dang awful on defense. The Seahawks' defense is a big problem. They got basically no pass rush for most of the game, and guys were you know more guys were open. Other they could have had even bigger plays at certain points in the Rams. Some under throws, uh, other passes by Stafford, uh, but he made enough plays. Obviously, they come away with the win. Some kicking issues, some weird, just a weird game. Obviously, the double punt was one of the biggest things that I was as a Rams uh, fan not exactly pleased with that rule being something that exists you can actually pick up the ball and punt it a second time for, yes. for the sake of for the sake of fun i guess we we should keep that in the as something that's allowed but uh, so i guess it could have been worse for seattle at the end they still had a shot there um if title lucky doesn't fall maybe nick scott doesn't get that last pick but um i mean for the rams still you're four and one even with it not being pretty now, now they come across uh, their schedule lines up insanely well they got the giants we'll see how 
you know, I think the Giants have been playing a lot better, um, but we'll see how healthy they are. They've had just so many injuries, a ridiculous level of guys going down. Then the Rams get the Lions and the Texans. So there's, you know, in terms of the schedule, at least for the Rams, while they try to sort out some of these uh, inconsistencies, they're still a strong team. And uh, if they take care of their business, they should be sitting at a really good spot at the midway point of the season. Well, back to that Falcons-Jets game, which uh, I was really in a hurry to get to, just to talk about Cordero Patterson saving fantasy football seasons around the world. Um, Man, this guy is just, uh, he's a fantasy juggernaut at this point, but Falcons get the win. Um, I don't, you know, one of those games where it's like, okay, what do you take away from it? Uh, I think we know the Jets, Jets aren't very good still, um, but Falcons... I still don't think the Falcons are very good, but um, yeah, this was this was just one of those games. Which obviously, <laughs> I guess, unless um, you know you were a Falcons or Jets fan, probably not a lot of people um, necessarily getting up to make this appointment viewing uh, early on on a Sunday morning in London. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this isn't even just um, about the Falcons, but Matt Ryan is, and it's the Jets, and they played Washington the week before. And the Giants they didn't put up a ton of points, but he's really looked pretty good the last three weeks. I think that's one of the things that, at least for, and if you're a Falcons fan, you can hang your hat on. I know there's a lot of conversation that we talked about if they should be moving forward with a new quarterback even early in the season. But the offense is starting to click the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see how they do against better opponents, better secondary in theory in Miami, although they've haven't exactly performed at, at the expectations they have coming up there for Atlanta. But take care of business, like you said, not, not a huge, uh, you know, the game started at 6.30 for me here in, in in L.A. I woke up at halftime, so I watched the second half <laughs> while uh, still in bed on a on an iPad. So that's that's <laughs> the level of, of watching I was doing. But, hey, I got the kind of focus on the Jets and Falcons, which is not something I usually do. I thought Kyle Pitts looked a lot, uh, obviously puts up a lot better numbers in this game, but also just felt like the utilization of him uh, was way different than anything we'd seen early in the year. Just didn't, uh, way more concepts going to him, and you see – as he continues to develop and becomes a better route runner over time, you see how big of a weapon he's going to become for them in the long term. Uh, still uh, feeling bad for Mike Davis, fantasy owners. He gets that touchdown there at the end. But otherwise, Cordell Patterson does not appear like he's going to go away. It feels like <laughs> Arthur Smith is going to continue to make this guy a focal point of this offense. So if you picked him up, good for you. Um, he's going to continue to probably make big plays. But even for Matt Ryan, though, I, I do think Atlanta – for still have concerns with the defense they played well at certain points of this game same kind of things with the jets in terms of that we've talked about previously uh, you know we didn't talk about their win a couple weeks uh, ago against the titans i you know there's some flashes of, of signs of life from the offense and but overall still a team that has a lot of work to do a lot of developing to do and hoping that that uh zach wilson is ultimately the guy um it's very early to to make any uh, assumptions about where he's going to be but I would say that at certain points, he, with with his big arm, he makes insane throws. Against, he made some big throws against the Titans. Uh, but just the consistency and, and reading the things that he's seeing in the NFL, that's where if he's going to end up uh, becoming the franchise QB that gets the Jets out of this uh, endless pit that they've been in basically since the, uh, the they made those two AFC title games with Rex Ryan as their head coach, um, he's going to need to just see the field a bit better. Because even Atlanta, with a defense that hasn't been great by any means, they are able to, to, to shake him up a bit. So... We'll see. Well, Dylan, I don't know if you're ready for this one, but uh, for the, I think this is the fourth time in the history of the Establish the Past podcast, we are going to adopt another new team of the podcast here, uh, which I guess you could put the entire AFC South as one, but 
We've also adopted the Dolphins. We've adopted the, the Bills, right? I think those two yeah. are, are firmly in oh, our yeah. grasp. And now, in something I never thought we would do, we are officially going to adopt the Detroit Lions as another <laughs> new team of the podcast because I am all in on Dan Campbell at this point. I don't care that the Lions are 0-5. I don't care that they lost yeah. another game the way that Lions always lose games. But... My goodness, if you had to sign me up right now and give me five choices to go, you know, in the NFL for a coach to play for, this guy's probably going to be in the top five. Um, so I'm all on the Lions bandwagon, but oh, by the way, they lose again as uh, the Vikings get a walk-off field goal, 1917. Yeah, they're probably wondering where that miss was coming from, the Vikings kicker, after what happened in <laughs> yes. Arizona early this season, a much shorter kick. Yeah, it's... Uh... Man, I mean, that's what we kind of talked about before the season for the Lions. They've, they've, if you're a Lions fan, I feel like for being 0 5, they've done everything that I, if, if I was in your shoes as a Lions fan, I would have hoped for. And that's having a competitive team that's playing really hard and developing a culture. And uh, by all accounts, it's exactly what's happened to, you know, the Vikings have been uh, really uh, thriving the last few weeks on offense. They've looked like, even when in their, some of their losses and different things, they've looked pretty good on that side of the ball in Detroit. Uh, not unlike their game against the Ravens, the defense really stepped up beyond anything I would have expected. Um, uh, Minnesota did struggle when we didn't really talk about the Browns game, obviously, a week ago. But I, I still you know, have been surprised by the Lions' defense. and They, they play hard. They're still ranking really low. But they, have, uh, they make plays. They're still keeping their teams in games. And the offense, at certain points, looks pretty brutal. And then other plays, you'll, you'll see Jerry make, but also some of the designs for Swift and I mean, they're competitive. They're there's an 0-5 team. They could easily have a couple wins here, maybe even three if everything broke right. But, you know, two and three or one and four is probably more deserving of who they are. I, I missed correctly. I picked the Lions a week ago against the Bears. So I, maybe at that point, I, uh, going into last week, I could have made them uh, one of my teams as you are now anointing for our podcast. I agree <laughs> that they, they fit the mold of what we were talking about with yes. Miami back uh, a couple of years ago and even the Bills as we started believing in them well before they became the juggernaut they appear to be right now. Um, I still think there's a lot of personnel that uh, things that need to be worked out over the next few years, but they have a draft capital obviously from the Stafford trade and uh, some pieces that look like they're going to be fitting long term um, but overall I, I think the culture is the biggest thing that has just been such an issue with the Lions for so long and for an 0-5 team to feel like I feel like that locker room and how they are entering the building on Monday morning after that defeat I don't feel like it's a team that thinks their own five or has that kind of mindset it's it's really impressive what Dan Campbell has done in such a short amount of time a lot of memes a lot of jokes made about all of his uh, press conferences when he first got the job and obviously his press conference yesterday made uh, some headlines with how emotional he was but I think he can clearly see how much he cares about his players and I think they have with Aubrey Pleasant another guy that uh, defensive mind uh, from the Rams that I thought potentially was going to become uh, their defensive coordinator before they hired, hired Raheem Morris. I, you already see the impact he's having in Detroit. I just think that this team, you know, over the course of the next few years, a lot of, a lot of different things that need to be happen with personnel again. But I think the just having the, the right people in charge and Brad Holmes is the general manager, uh, another Rams connection. Obviously, I know know these guys pretty well from their time here and not surprised by um, the way that they've been able to kind of help uh, Dan Campbell and that whole that whole organization kind of turn around the ship in terms of who they are. The Vikings you get a win. Uh, real quick on them, I guess. Uh, you're two and three, feeling like you should have some more wins. Maybe you could have some more losses too. 
some weird games that Minnesota's been playing, but um, find a way to get the win and still an impressive drive there at the end to get that last second field goal, something that they really needed because if they lost this game, man, it's uh, you have a lot more questions going on in that in that uh, in that organization where they're at and some of the things, even an interesting ending there. I don't know if you saw the shoving match between Mike Zimmer and Kirk yeah. Cousins, which looked friendly at first, and it was like, is this so friendly? I don't know. It was interesting. <laughs> so an interesting team to track that uh, maybe at two and three is still, still a little frisky as a possible uh, playoff threat in the NFC. Well, just as a note, we, we did both pick the Vikings. We both picked the Falcons in the previous game. Um, we both made the correct picks on these next two games, which I guess we can kind of tie together so we didn't talk about. The big Bucks Patriots game from the week before, but um, yep. it was the Patriots going to Houston and really not playing that great, um, but beating the Texans 25-22. They rally and make the comeback. I think they were over there down 22 to nine, but mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots rally and really get a. I think it's kind of a must-win scenario there for him, for them, because really, if you think about it, that would have dropped him to what one and four or one yep. and five or whatever it was. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they had they had to win that. They they come from behind, get that done, and then um, you know the Bucks just completely decimate the Dolphins, forty-five seventeen. They scored forty-five points in three quarters. Since I didn't tour in the third quarter, uh, Tom Brady again, fantasy stud, NFL stud, football stud. Just pure stud overall. Um, just uh, another dominant uh, performance here from the Bucks. Yeah, I think it was nice for Bucks fans. I'm sure after what the offense looked like in New England, obviously the conditions were pretty crazy on that Sunday night game and the atmosphere and everything that went into it. Um, I, I'm sure they were very happy to see against a, again a, a Miami defense which. which has had some injuries and maybe not as uh, good on the back end as I, I thought they'd have one of the better secondaries. And obviously, though, when, when Tom's cooking, he's hard to stop. And he's still just as <laughs> incredible in the pocket as ever. Just as incredible at moving safeties with his eyes and making uh, throws here at, all over the field. He sees the field on like, you know, it's like the comparison uh, we've, I've seen people joke about is like, it looks like the body of a guy in his early 30s with the mind of someone like, uh, Tom Brady has been in the league for over 20 and it's just not that that combination he's not just any guy that's been in the year for uh, in the NFL for 20 years either with with his brain so it's incredible to watch that offense functioning when it's at at its highest level just some ridiculous throws some uh, great awareness to you know wait to the last second and sometimes when he's about to take big hits and avoid those just incredible stuff and made that imp- you know really impressed with what New England did the week before limiting that defense and also with how Mac Jones played obviously the, the pass per uh, average yards per attempt against the Bucks for New England the week before were not very high, but Mac Jones still made a lot of great reads. Still crazy that they had a chance there. I, I shocked as anyone that they didn't go for that field goal, or sorry, didn't go for it when they kicked the field goal at 56 yards. What an attempt by Nick Folk to even hit the post. Um, and so you're coming off that and going into Houston uh, on that kind of, you know, it had a kind of a trap game feel for them because they put so much into that Sunday night game. Now, you're exhausted that night. You're going into this week against Houston. You feel like you're going to roll them over. And Davis Mills just comes out and is throwing all over the field. I, I did not expect any of that to happen after the last few weeks of what we've seen from Houston. But, hey, we've seen, if anything, that Houston at times can battle at least. And New England could have had a bigger, you know, been not have to make such a big comeback if they don't fumble. Damian Harris fumbling at the one-yard line as a Damian Harris fantasy owner. That was a brutal moment for me. Uh, it sounds like he's actually going to be okay from his injury, so that's great news. But, um, they, yeah, they fight back, and the defense started, you know, doing the things that we kind of thought they'd probably be able to do the whole game. And that second half, just 
constant forcing punts, forcing fumbles. Uh, they do get the, the the fortune of the missed uh, field goal that Houston did have uh, towards the end there, and in the, in the close to the fourth quarter, at least it was, I believe, at the time that would have given them a, a two score lead again. But yeah, the, Mac Jones still, even though the numbers weren't insane, still made all the right kind of plays and led that comeback. And you, you see some, uh, certain points and certain signs where maybe he's not going to be the most, you know, looking at some of these big arm throws that we see from guys like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and some of the splash plays that Justin Fields can make with his legs or all the things that Trevor Lawrence can do. But I still think Mac Jones has developed quite well pretty quickly. And if I were a New England fan, I'd feel pretty good about, you know, obviously there were some issues at certain points in this game, but overall I thought he had a really good game and continues to develop along the the ways you would really hope for with his skill set and where he'd be just five weeks into his uh, NFL career. Well, um, the theme of the day was seemingly missed kicks. If you're watching the oh, Red gosh. Zone channel, it seemed like every game we turned to, there was a missed kick somewhere. And, well, I think the headline for that was uh, the packers Bengals game, which uh, Mason Crosby misses three field goals, had every chance in the world to put the game uh, away for the Packers and uh, finally did it in overtime as the Packers won 25-22. Bengals, boy, they had their opportunity to be sitting in the driver's seat, uh, you know, possibly if they had won that game to move to 4-1 and be at the top of the AFC North, but they lose it. And again, kicks, it's all about the kicks. And uh, just at the end, it was the the Packers finally made theirs and uh, they get the win, but it was not pretty for Aaron Rodgers and company. No, and there were certain points in that game where the offense for Green Bay struggled. I mean, the Bengals' defense, one of the, unlike we talk about Washington being one of the bigger disappointments, Cincinnati's defense going into this week was ranked fifth in DVOA. That is ridiculous. <laughs> like, even if they're not they're going to probably regress from that, but that's just not even close to where I would have thought they were going to be. They've had so many different guys at linebacker, different people step up. Jesse Bates has been insane. You look at how much worse their defense was against the Jaguars without him. A couple weeks ago, um, he's back in this game. Hopefully, he's okay after that final play, uh, getting run over by Randall Cobb. But man, it it was I, I you know for Cincinnati, I feel like you're uh, a season that I don't know what your your expectations were just for Joe Burrow. In my mind, or your hopes were really Joe Burrow develops, stays healthy, which that was you know at least he's fine by all accounts. And even the throat contusion that did not happen on the big hit that he took sounds like he you know he left the hospital. Everything seems like it's okay there. So you're just, I mean, your expectations for Cincinnati at this point, if you're a fan, I know you're disappointed by the loss, but they've also barely won some some games. They've had a couple other game-winning kicks, and, you know, I, I thought the, the first attempt that they had um, at near the end of regulation, I would have probably gone for it just, in, in, you know, even in the time at the moment, I'm just thinking this is a really far, and if you miss this, you're not running down the clock. Even if you make this, Aaron's going to have plenty of time to get them back in field goal range. Uh, before we knew that Mason was going to miss three in a row. Um, uh, but then also, you're just a, such a tough kick from 50-plus, and he's, he almost nails it off the post there, McPherson on the first one. So some interesting decision-making, but the Bengals, again, feeling really impressed with how they fought back. And you see the quotes from Devontae Adams after the game where he's like, this isn't just the same old Bengals you roll over. This is a, a whole different team, and it's not just the offense. It's not just Joe Burrow and what – He's been able to deal with those weapons, how he's been able to manipulate the pocket with an offensive line that at times is still not uh, up there with some of the best ones. And he's he's done a good job despite it. And he needs to just 
learn to slide even on third downs because you know one one first down is just not worth having him on the field they need him on the field to keep moving forward I, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet but uh they're definitely this is a really big game for them for being a loss and obviously if they had won the the momentum you'd carry forward with that it would, it would be pretty meaningful over a, a Packer team that has much higher expectations of being four and one and uh barely being able to keep up with Cincinnati um the Packers could have uh, you know at times I thought their defense actually looked pretty good better than it has um, at certain other points of the year just still inconsistent a team that Green Bay could easily be five and oh they could be two and three they've lost you know between this game and the the, the win over the 49ers some just really near disaster victories they even even the week before they have that really questionable offside call on the Steelers in the block uh field goal that that's a 10 point swing they win by 10 points in that game so I don't know. This the Packers. I still think they're going to be fine long term. Uh, but I think it's this game. May, maybe it was more about Cincinnati actually being coming into their own and being a team uh, that maybe not this year, but quicker than I expected would be in the you know in the conversation as a as a threat to the postseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, just just got to be happy if you're a Bengals fan that Joe Burrow's healthy. That was pretty scary hit. Um, hopefully you dodged that disaster and live to see another day because just as long as he's on the field and keeps playing at this level, no matter what the end of result is, I think that's a win for Cincinnati and their future with such a, so much young, uh, fun talent on that team. Well, Broncos and Steelers, I wouldn't call that fun. Um, it's just kind of, <laughs> it was not a fun game. I just tell you, uh, to be honest, like just, I did it 27, 19. Like it wasn't a, I'm not saying it was a bad game, but it just wasn't, I feel like you're looking at two teams that you kind of already see that there's a ceiling for both of them. And, um, like, I mean, the Steelers, they had to win that game, and now they're two and three. The Broncos, I'm just, I know they're three and two, and I'm just not sold on them. I think their defense is good, but I'm just not Mm -hmm. sold that they're going to be able to, you know, we've seen, even with the Chiefs, like we said, we fully expect the Chiefs to be fine. Um, Chargers, obviously, we'll get to them in a second, but I just don't. I don't know about either one of these two teams, to be honest with you. And even with the Steelers getting a win, Juju's out for the year. Um, I just, I don't see, I don't see it for the Steelers. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they find a way to turn it around. But we kind of said that going into the season. I just, I don't know that they're going to be one of those. I mean, like we just said, we talked about the Bengals. Like, we'll talk about the Browns, the Ravens. I mean, I just, I don't know what to think about really either one of these two teams right now. Yeah, I, I- same like basically the same like i i don't really like for pittsburgh like you want to be encouraged by Najee harris and what they're able to do with uh the running game against a you know a, a defense in denver that i when i think about them i think about their their secondary first and their pass rush less than their uh run defense uh but they've still been a solid run defense so for pittsburgh to run the ball like they did and i know in part because they had the lead uh played into that and some plays where it's just Najee Harris making incredible uh, plays on his own, but that's the one encouraging part. And their defenses for both these teams are really good. I think both you, you see when Pittsburgh's defense is flying around what it can do and uh, some misplays here and there in this one that I'm sure they'd like to have back. But I think two teams that are somewhat similar in terms of where, in terms of how I feel they're very different in terms of their style. Uh, but in terms of just the defenses being good, but the offense offenses being so unreliable to where you just uh, you know even against the the better opponents and the better uh, teams are going to be facing you just wonder if their offenses can keep up with the likes of the browns or the chargers the ravens uh, the chiefs the bills like 
I can't, you know, we obviously Pittsburgh did beat Buffalo early in the year. Uh, they did have a block punt that went a long way in that one. And it was week one, as we know, I think things might've changed if they had, they'd play later in the season. So we'll see with Pittsburgh, maybe feel like if their offense can just squeeze out a bit more, their defense can carry them. I, I wanted to be encouraged by Denver early in the season. They won those first three games, obviously against the Jets, Giants, and Jags, as we've talked about over and over and over again. Um, and now they, they face two teams that, you know, uh, last week against the Ravens, I thought that was a really disappointing performance for them to get handled so heavily by even a Baltimore defense that hasn't been perfect by any means. So for them to barely, you know, they only put up a touchdown in that one. They put up more points in this one, but it kind of came with the Steelers backing off at certain points. I'm just worried about Denver. Or, you know, they still have not the hardest schedule by any means. So that's the one thing that, that lines up for the Broncos. But I just, I don't know how many good teams I really feel like I, I would trust them beating. I, you know, uh, we'll see if they can just stack up the wins against the bad teams. But Denver still, uh, like you said, the defense is there. Uh, Patrick Sertan is st- uh, already looks like a number one corner and, they, they, uh, and a really crowded cornerback uh, and, and defensive back room there for Denver. But offense for them is just, it's, you know, they can they can put up uh, some points against worse defenses. I, do, I just do not trust them against any, you know, top half of the league uh, defense at this point. Probably could have grouped these next two teams into the category of teams I'm not really sure about either. The Eagles and the Panthers. The Eagles get a 21-18 win, Carolina. Um, yeah, like, what, what, are we, what are the expectations for these two teams now? Because, like, I don't think the Eagles are bad. I, I don't know exactly where they sit. I mean, the Panthers, as we said, were cruising right along, feeling pretty good about themselves for the most part. But now, you know, they lose a home game here to the Eagles. Don't I mean this is kind of the same for me? Like I, I think you grouped them in with like the Steelers and Broncos, and that I just don't know five weeks from now, you know, ten weeks from now, what what is the record for these these two teams right here? Because I just don't. It's hard to predict. They they made the joke with Scott Hansen on the Simpsons with punt zone instead of red zone, and <laughs> yes. uh, it kind of felt like that for large portions of this game. I think at one point in the second quarter or some part some part of the first half where it was six or seven back-to-back punts only uh changed by one field goal and a safety otherwise so it was it was an interesting game i thought for large portions that carolina looked right where they wanted to be obviously they had a you know you know you're feeling good with a 15 to 3 lead things weren't pretty on offense for them uh but that's that's kind of maybe my takeaway from this one more than anything is carolina's offense that looked really good for the, the first part of the season and thought you know with Sam Darnold, this unit's going to actually be solid. And with the defense that was ranking so high after the first three weeks, that that was one of the games that we were, uh, had highlighted going into week four was their match against the Cowboys. Dallas's offense got the better of them for most of that game. Still didn't really uh, bump Carolina too far down the DVOA uh, tracks there. And the defense still for Carolina looks solid, but I'm I'm concerned more with where the offense went because this game I know Philadelphia's defense is not bad. Um, it's one of the more encouraging parts of why you think they could hang around in this uh, in the NFC East this season, possibly before Dallas really. Will, and we'll get to what Dallas has become, but uh, it was it was crazy to watch that Carolina offense just sputter for large large portions of this game, and that was pretty disappointing. I know they don't have Christian McCaffrey, but there's still different things that. Uh, some of the things that you looked good with Sam the first few weeks and everyone was uh, clowning the Jets about it all uh, that just did not come together in this one uh, and Philadelphia the team that they, they you know were very different than the situation in Detroit but I feel like this is a team that's fighting hard for Nick Sirianni and has looked uh, you know has some encouraging moments the Cowboys Monday night loss was pretty uh, depressing but you look at how they came out started the season with that win against Atlanta 
really could have beaten the 49ers kind of looking back at that game some few plays here and there and then they really for large portions hung up with the Chiefs they were putting up points against that bad defense so I don't know Philadelphia is a team that feels like they're gonna be uh, not a playoff team but uh, a nuisance for anyone that faces them I don't think they're gonna be uh, an easy an easy defeat not not a team you look at the schedule and, and look forward to necessarily they're gonna make it ugly they're gonna they're gonna run at you Jalen Hurts is going to run through you in some cases. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't have the best uh, day in terms of his overall numbers by the end of it. Took a couple sacks, pretty low QB rating and those kind of things. But he made the plays when he needed to um, and looked really good on the ground. And it's, uh, you know, just enough plays. You look at the difference of having a receiver like a Devontae Smith. It's just something that offense lacked the last couple of years even if their uh, passing game wasn't fantastic by any means, just having the guy that you feel like when you need it, he can get open. And that's something that is very, really valuable and a reason why the Philadelphia went up and got him so high. Well, Titans, Jaguars. um, I don't know what you say. I mean, the Titans are, I think Titans are fine, but uh, the Jags are bad. And I think the Jags will have a new head coach sooner rather than later. Um, all i got for this one i don't really Boy. i don't really know what to say uh for the jags at this point that was that was something um man yeah we didn't even get to talk about all that uh last week with the urban meyer situation was probably a good thing for us um not recording during that time period yeah. um yeah this game boy i mean I don't know. Like there, there's so many encouraging parts. Uh, you have the James, Rob- James Robinson run, different things. The offense looked like it was doing, and then it all just kind of falls apart. And that defense is still just a mess. And uh, it's kind of the same story for the last I don't know how many years, where you watch Derrick Henry play the Jacks defense, and he just runs through them. Just another dominating performance for them. They didn't even have to really pass the ball too much to win this one. So uh, two teams that yeah, like at this point are kind of where I thought they'd be. Tennessee. Being a you know the leader in that a pretty weak division, uh, our favorite division, on the podcast uh, that is maybe a little less fun than it's been even in past years. But hey, for Tennessee, uh, you still get the win. Still feel okay about where you are. The, the Jets' loss is really disappointing, um, but a lot of season left for them. They got a really tough test coming up here, uh, the following Monday night against the Bills. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. But the Jags, kind of where I thought they'd be, own um, five or one and uh, yeah, own five, not. Not you know thought they might win that first game against the Texans, but otherwise pretty much a, a bad football team that I did not think was going to win too many games because the defense is pretty bad and they have a learning curve there with Trevor. Maybe the offense isn't as consistent as I had hoped. Maybe I thought that we'd see a little bit more from them on that side. But yeah, there's there's things that uh, beyond uh, the football field that are definitely I'm sure playing a playing a role right now. Just the, you you do not expect to have a game where. Uh, your top receivers are getting three targets and only one reception for Chenault, one reception for Marvin Jones. They, uh, Darren Arnold's been pretty solid for them the last couple of weeks since they traded for him. But it's uh, I don't know what to make of the Jags otherwise. They're just we'll see. Yeah, I guess the, the, the it's the off field stuff that right now are grabbing more of the headlines that more people are caring about with Urban Meyer because uh, maybe you didn't think it was going to work out with him, but I don't know if anyone could have predicted it would be four or five weeks into the season with the things happening and now they go to London it's only going to be uh, the circus is only going to get crazier this week I think well uh, speaking of circuses and just craziness uh, Chargers Browns was uh, the winner in that category for the day as uh, one of the wildest games of the season thus far uh, 41 combined points score in the fourth quarter 
Uh, 47-42. The Chargers win this one. Uh, what oh, a what a game. Uh, this was just this was wild. Um, yeah, this was just. I mean, certainly probably not fantastic if you're the Browns right now, but Chargers fantastic win. 26 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> just a wild game. And um, man, I I tell you the Chargers. Uh, we laughed about it before the season started. I was like, you really want to do this? You really want to pick the Chargers to make the playoffs? Yeah. And <laughs> right now, looking pretty good. Yeah, feeling like both these teams I had as wild cards. I, you had the Browns winning the division, I believe. Um, but, yeah, the man, that's, that. if this game was in prime time, I really wish it was. I think maybe, I mean, people are still talking about it, and deservedly so, as one of the best games of the year. But I think it would be talked about in a similar vein as that Chiefs. Rams game a couple years ago, the the Ravens uh, Browns game we got last year, a Monday Night Football near the end of the season. Just in terms of the sheer freneticness and craziness of the fourth quarter alone, I mean, even before that, that's so much offense is occurring. The the Chargers, it's crazy because I would have t- you know going into this game if we had talked about it, would have even though we didn't have it as our game of the week, I would have been maybe on our on our next tier right below for me. Um, but I would have probably talked about how I thought uh, the defenses were going to at least have. Uh, some impact in this game I did not anticipate the Chargers after what you know they really looked like they found themselves uh, on that side of the ball against the Raiders and then to come out in this game and you know, just get blown up on the ground uh, you know they Baker ends up putting up a, a lot of big numbers through the air as well but the story of really is the Chargers run defense is where they're going to if they're going to have any struggles this year they're going to they can get exposed there and the Browns took advantage really well uh, but it didn't matter because Justin Herbert is I mean, he. I thought he was going to be good this year, but I didn't know he was going to be basically an MVP candidate um, in the early going along the likes of guys like Kyler and Josh Allen and uh, you probably throw Tom in there. And it's still, a, you know, we're really lucky to have the quarterbacks we have in this league. But uh, having Herbert become this good this quickly, just something that's been really fun to watch. They ran the ball pretty well, too, um, overall with the, with their average by the end of it. You know, even if Eckler didn't have the, his best day running completely. But it was really about... The, the reads Herbert had, the different throws he was making, the ways he was seeing the defense and the aggressiveness they had going for it on fourth and two in their own on their own half, uh, down a couple scores in the second half. Uh, we've seen Brandon Staley have that approach. Uh, still really bad tackling at certain points for the for the Chargers, not just in the run game. That Njoku touchdown, I forget what DB it was that tried to tackle him, that literally looked like he kind of pushed him forward. Uh, some things to work out for them there. Uh, maybe the difference in this one comes down to really by the end of it, after they missed that extra point, maybe it would have been better for Cleveland if the Chargers had made it. I feel, you know, they got so, and the game was tied at 42, they got so conservative and not really sticking to what had worked throughout the game um, there to, to, that for so so many portions of it. Because it wasn't just running the ball. They were throwing the ball pretty well and finding different things. And the Chargers were able to load up and get that one stop. I, I just felt like that was kind of the difference was, the Chargers were really going for it the whole time. I know they were going to sit down and take that, uh, take that field goal at the end before <laughs> the chart. Uh, the Browns really, you know, alertly in my mind, threw Eckler into the end zone. That was hilarious. Shades of the Ahmad Bradshaw game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl um, in Super Bowl forty-six. But yeah, it, it was just an incredible game. Uh, the, maybe another takeaway for the Browns fans is that. Like as as good as your team is, at the end of the day, when you need and you get into that two minute drill, that one minute, one and a half minute and a half drill, is Baker the guy that you trust to to get you down the field? Now, I don't know if this is really fair given his shoulder injury that he suffered when he 
made that stupid hit against the Texans after an interception that he has a partially torn labrum that he's been playing through. And uh, you can look at the splits of his um, accuracy literally before that and after that and how much it's gone down. He looked better in this one for large portions. But in that last drive, just too, uh, too many little dinks and dunk throws where they needed to get down the field and actually have a chance instead of throwing just one Hail Mary up at the end. I feel like they had a little more time even with no timeouts to make something happen there. And that's going to be uh, – they're going to be in, the, in these big games. They're going to still be close to the – I think I think the rounds are right there. Like they're – they're you know, that, the defense is going to bounce back from this. They were before this game third in DVOA. They're going to fall off uh, by a lot after this one. But I still think their defense is better than it's been. Um, and the offense uh, – the offensive, uh, when they run the ball, especially has been top tier. But they've been in the 20s in DVOA and passing, and that, and that, especially at the end of games when it's a close game against these really tough teams, the AFC, that's going to be the difference. And uh, Baker needs to eventually, hopefully, gets fully healthy. He needs to be able to lead that drive because the two losses they've had, they've had the ball in their hands with a chance to win, even with you know this one a little less time uh, than their previous defeat to Kansas City, but. Um, yeah, that's that's the only thing left for them, and it's not. Again, I'll I'll wait till hopefully Baker gets fully healthy because I don't know how fair that is right now. But at least that's kind of the conversation you're seeing between Browns fans, Browns writers. It's just about the lack of aggressiveness aggressiveness for such an aggressive coach like Stefanski. And is can Baker get this this job done when you really need him to get a touchdown or in field goal range with a minute minute and a half left? Well, speaking of Herbert, Khalil Herbert, the star for the <laughs> the Bears, twenty to nine winners over the Raiders. I mean, we can lump in this Cowboys Giants game too because the, yeah. neither one of these two games were really that thrilling. I guess you could say uh, Cowboys pretty much they just dominated the Giants from the start, and um, you know I know it was kind of a close game at halftime, but the Cowboys took control in the second half. Not a lot, I think, to to write home about in that one, except for the uh, the ejection and uh, skirmish. They're late. Uh, but uh, as for the Raiders, ooh, disappointing for the Raiders here is uh, get off the 3-1 start, and then you can only score nine points here. Uh, but for the Bears, uh, Justin Fields, first career touchdown pass, and uh, the Bears now move to 3-2. and two. Yeah, the Chicago's defense really looked good in this one, but I think it was more the Raiders coming out flat like they did against the Chargers uh, for all the good things the Chargers' defense did do. The Raiders in that first half of that game against L.A. last the previous week just looked awful. Derek Carr, second straight week, things were not clicking. They were not able to run the ball, which is not something you are going to be able to do a lot against Chicago. They're a team that, if anything, you feel like you're going to be able to pass against. So to not be able to get that job done has to be disappointing. But for Chicago, not always a pretty game uh, for Justin, but uh, made some big plays um, overall. Gets his first touchdown pass and still... Yeah, even with the mistakes, you'll take some of the good things you're seeing from him. As you mentioned, yeah, Herbert, the Khalil Herbert there, uh, as someone that was able to, in one of my leagues, pick up uh, uh, Damian Williams, still had a solid game himself. But concerning for the long term of what uh, Herbert was able to do because he looked pretty dang good. And Chicago, a team that they look kind of like last year, but at least now I feel like they have a quarterback that they're building towards uh, for the future and a guy that – as he develops, is going to make this team at least uh, another team that you look on your schedule and you're not going to necessarily be looking forward to that matchup. They're going to be a tough, tough opponent, uh, So especially with the way that um, Green Bay has been playing lately. That that game against the, the Packers this week is going to be a really interesting one to follow. Um, so we'll see for them and for the Raiders. Just disappointing because after the 3-0 start, you're feeling, even if they're not going to win both these games, you feel like that you should split at least the Chargers and Bears don't get it done and for the Cowboys Giants I mean as much it wasn't maybe the most exciting game with the the final score but for Cowboy fans you're feeling 
fantastic right now. I, I know that there's a lot been made about Trayvon Diggs, and we've talked about him, and even if he's ha- giving up a lot of yards, he's on pace, I think, to have giving up some of the most yards uh, on, on guys that he's guarding of any corner in the last however many years. But uh, you'll take that for a guy that's making the, the deflections and the big plays that he does in addition to the picks. You'll, you'll take the uh, the – some of those plays because of the chances he's going to take and some of the turnovers he's going to force, which is what they need right now in Dallas because their offense is a full operation death star. Like it's, it is crazy to watch that unit and a giants team that, you know, I think they've, you know, we saw how they fought back against the saints and for the large portions of the season, it's been pretty fine on defense. They've not been uh, great, but I, I think they're a solid defense. Um, and the, the Cowboys just ran them over uh, by the end of it. And for the first half, they, they were able to force some turnovers. They got lucky on the, the one Dak fumble where he dropped the ball on the snap. But um, uh, I think just the Cowboys' offense is that good. Uh, they just got to stay healthy because they have the right people. They have – even when guys like Amari Cooper don't have huge uh, games in terms of total uh, receptions and all those things, they have enough players. You've really seen – Dalton Schultz emerge as a as one of the uh, tight end that in fantasy I think you can start to at least somewhat rely on um, uh, one guy in fantasy that I'm really wishing that I almost picked up last week and I'm really <laughs> regretting it is Kadarius Tony because man it, just the last two weeks now it's been that he's looked in a, like he's going to become a focal focal point of that offense for the future we'll hopefully see what happens with him after he throws that punch near the end of the game and gets thrown out uh, a lot a lot of frustration for having such a big day himself and the the results I'm sure of the of the game but he his route running is crazy like this he looks like he's also I, I didn't realize he was over six feet I think he's listed exactly six feet he, he looks like he's like a like a Darren Sproles Tyree kill like five eight five nine guy with some of the, uh, the the quickness he has but he's he's bigger than I uh, I really thought watching him and yeah, he's maybe someone out of these receivers, all the star talent that was in this receiving class, someone that some people, uh, when the when the Giants took him, were like, okay, like thought maybe Tony was going to drop down a, l- a bit, a little bit further. Um, they obviously wanted uh, one of the one of the d- guys in more, near the top of the draft before they ended up trading back. Um, so, uh, but at this point, I I think for the Giants, uh, obviously the health of Daniel Jones a, a big concern as they move forward. I don't know about the. Obviously, Saquon Barkley's kind of freak injury. He looks like he's fully back to healthy. Just so frustrating to watch a, a play where it's not even on a play. It's just two guys looking the opposite direction, and he rolls his ankle pretty badly. And that's it was swelling like crazy. So the injuries for the Giants are a story. But Daniel Jones before that, had, before this week, had been playing better ball. And at least you got a potential star in Tony. I, I legitimately think his route running is it's top tier really quickly for a guy that's 22 years old. So something that and fantasy as we get to that part, like if if you can pick him up, I know even with whoever's going to be playing quarterback, if Glennon's going to have to be in there against the Rams, maybe Tony's a tougher play. But um, for the future, I I, I do think he's going to just continue to get a lot of targets in that offense. Yeah, and speaking of fantasy, we always uh, touch on a couple of waiver wire ones. I think he is. The obvious number two uh, is Tony. Uh, I think one A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, and so on is Daryl Williams, um, who is yeah. probably going to step into a pretty big role for the Chiefs um, after the uh, Edward Hilaire injury. It's going to be out a couple weeks, it seems like. So, mm-hmm. sorry, Clutch Points League. If you're looking to pick him up, you don't have to look too far because uh, yours surely has Daryl Williams. Sorry, Dylan. If you're going to steal him, <laughs> anyone else listening in the Clutch Points League, Good luck elsewhere because uh, he's ready to go. There you go. Uh, I, you know, I 
in the clutch points league, at least I'm I'm in good shape with my running backs. Uh, it's other, my other leagues that I'm struggling with, but <laughs> yeah, like I said, Tony, I'm really mad at myself. I was just like, I should do this. Like I feel like they're he's going to become a bigger part of the offenses. And I just ended up sticking with some of the other guys on my bench. I have some solid receivers, but that as we just said, he's got to be an easy pickup this week. Um, at quarterback, uh, I kind of talked about him a bit. I, I do think Matt Ryan, depending on the opponent, is still going to put up some pretty solid numbers. Week to week, if you need someone, as we, we start getting to these bye weeks, I think he's not a bad option depending on the matchup. So maybe someone to look ahead to. Um, as you mentioned with Williams there in KC, luckily for Edward Solaire, it doesn't look like it's going to be that long of a of an injury in terms of where he's at. Um, Alex Collins is still not owned in a ton of leagues, so uh, you can still go in that direction for him. If you're in a PPR league, I don't think Gio Bernard is the worst option by any means. A, a guy that I'm not expecting too much from week to week, but... If you really need a, uh, him to play, obviously with the, the injury um, to Saquon, now Devontae Booker becomes an interesting pickup, a running back. Um, going through the receivers, going down beyond Tony. Um, Marquez Callaway has a big week. I don't know if I'd react too hard to him being in there uh, week to week, but Rondell Moore is someone that I've held in one of my other leagues for a little while, and I, I just need to see that usage go up. Uh, that's the thing about Tony. that I, I just think that Tony's usage is going to be high like moving forward. He's... Gosh, I'm still kicking myself for not picking him up. Like it's, it's like man, that's and I, I need a little more depth at receiver too. So that's the that's the one. Those are the main guys. Uh, some pretty easy options there. Um, tight end, if you really need someone still, and he had a bad week this week. But Tyler Conklin, I don't think is a terrible option. Um, otherwise, it's every week. I don't know if you're going to really rely on Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith putting up too much with their ownership percentages. So tight end's a little little tougher for me to to make a to make a big, uh, big, uh, prediction there. So also in Joku, but, uh, not a lot of weeks where he's having guys push him forward to the end zone. Like there was in that charger game, you know, when in doubt, pick up players on good teams that are going to score points. That's my thing is, you know, maybe they're the third or fourth guy, but if a team's going to score their options, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they can potentially put up something. And I know it's all about usage and that kind of stuff. But I think if you, if you have that scenario where you're like, all right, there's not a lot of guys out there, there's not a lot of difference with some of these guys. I'm like, all right, I'll pick up the guy that's on the team that's going to score because maybe he gets a chance. And um, yep. that's where guys like McCole Hardman, like I don't think he's a great play, but like the guy is very active in a very good offense. And so it's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe eventually there's a breakout and maybe there's not, but uh, there are worse options out there. So uh, there are some thoughts on the fantasy waiver wire for the week. But uh, Dylan, that will wrap up uh, this week uh, here as we look back at uh, week five. But as we said, still got the Ravens and Colts to go to see if you can get your lock of the week there. Uh, but everything else over clutch points, of course, NFL going on but mlb playoffs in full swing as well so everybody know where they can find all that you can follow all the mlb playoff games in the clutch points app i've been following very very closely with the the dodgers almost (laughs) gave me a heart attack last week against the cardinals but luckily they're still in that series we'll see for how long um but yeah you can follow the games in there you can follow the nfl games in the clutch points app you can read all of our nfl content there as well as on nfl or on the nfl section of clutchpoints.com we have our fantasy Waiver wire pickups coming out. We'll have our stardom sit-em articles to help you make those kind of decisions coming up on Wednesday. If you click fantasy football at the top of the homepage there, you get all that. We have all our takeaways from all the games from this past week and all the news, all the Urban Meyer coverage that you could possibly hope for. Uh, we got that all covered at Clutch Points. Yeah, check it all out there. And uh, 
Should be interesting uh, to see how things unfold there in Jacksonville. And like we said, we'll have it all covered here on the podcast and over Clutch Points. So check everything out there. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Search for Establish the Pass. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of the podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast.